Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Welcome to episode 33 of On The Way. We're starting today at Luke eleven twenty nine. This first section in today's reading is about a time that Jesus made a connection between himself and some Old Testament characters. You got Jonah and the Ninevites and then Solomon and the Queen of the South. The book of Matthew also tells about a time that Jesus connected himself to these stories, but Matthew uses them to make a different illustration than Luke does. Matthew connects Jonah to Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Jonah spent three days in the giant fish, like Jesus would spend three days in the tomb. But Jesus here in Luke did not make that connection. Instead, Luke talks about how Jesus used these Old Testament characters to predict the coming of God's kingdom. If you remember the stories, Jonah's warning was to the Ninevites, and and they listened to his advice, and it saved the city of Nineveh. Similarly, the queen of the south heard of Solomon's great wisdom, and she came to Solomon for advice and followed his amazing advice, and it saved her. Jesus is saying, I'm Jonah. I'm Solomon. Listen to me, and you will be saved. But if you don't, you will die. I love this analogy because it should make us very optimistic about what's coming. The Ninevites listened to Jonah, and the Queen of the South listened to Solomon. I believe our world will increasingly listen to Jesus and follow him. Then Jesus continues his warning with this. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with light. With darkness, Luke eleven thirty four. When I was a kid, my parents had a TV guardian on our TV. Did anybody else have one of these? Back then, I thought it was terrible. Now I think it was terribly hilarious. So you'd connect this little box to your TV, and the box would read the closed captioning of any show that you were watching. And if there were any inappropriate words in the closed captioning, then it would mute the TV and replace the written bad words in the closed captioning with better words. So hell became evil. S-H-I-T became, oh no. To this day, my wife and I still refer to sex as hugs. That's the replacement there. But there was one big flaw with this, right? Changing the word sex didn't keep us from reading the lips and knowing exactly what they were saying. And even worse, we're still seeing the show. When you were a kid and a sex scene came on, what did your parents do? They ran over to cover your eyes. You'd act like you couldn't see between their fingers. You're thinking, oh no, I can still listen to everything that's happening. It's kind of obvious. Or maybe your parents were smarter than trying to cover your eyes, so they tried to fast forward it. So then we end up watching the sex scene in fast motion. And then we realize, oh dang, we missed some of the plot. Rewind it. Oh no, we're back in it. Fast forward it. I think we watched it four times. But I actually don't think this example is too far off. I think Jesus is literally talking about lust, all kinds of lust, sexual lust, coveting, jealousy. 
While Jesus was talking, a Pharisee asked Jesus to come over to eat at his house. So Jesus did, and the conversation that happened over dinner was pretty similar to the conversation about healthy eyes, about filling yourself with light. The Pharisee asked Jesus why he didn't perform the Jewish hand-washing ceremonies before he ate. And we might think the same thing, right? I mean, Jesus, don't you care about cleanliness? And why would you break a Jewish religious law while you're in the house of a Jewish religious leader? Isn't that causing another person to stumble? We're so careful about that. No, actually, I think that Jesus broke this rule on purpose. He's trying to teach a lesson. The Jewish religious leaders were, were like the American church. They're so focused on what we look like and how we act, how moral we are, that we totally neglect what is more important. Jesus said, verse 39, Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. So what is Jesus saying is the more important thing that we should be focusing on? Generosity. Don't worry about what you look like. Worry about loving people. Have you ever heard anyone, anyone say that Christians don't need to tithe because, well, that was the Old Testament law, not New Testament faith? I get really frustrated when I hear people say that, but it's not because I totally disagree. It's because the people that say it often totally miss the point. No, technically tithing is not a law for us. But Jesus is saying tithing is more than that. It's a starting point. We should obviously give 10% to the church. But Christians are called to do so much more in addition to that. Jesus says, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things, Luke eleven forty two. Of course we, sh- we should tithe. Jesus didn't come to earth and lower the bar of generosity and sacrifice. He raised the bar. The bar is so high, it's so high that we could never reach it. But he commands us to keep trying. Throughout Christian history, Christian religious leaders have tried to get the church to rise to the standards of the religious leaders. We pastors start to think that it's our job to get everyone to be as good as we are. But that is absurd. We are not the example. Jesus is. And the example ignored a bunch of the laws. Why? So that he could get everyone to focus on loving people, on lightening the burden for others. Luke eleven forty six says, Yes, said Jesus, what sorrow awaits you experts in religious law? For you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. You demand that people follow your rules, but you never sacrifice for them. It's an evil show, and the hypocrisy is repelling people to hell. In the beginning of chapter 12, thousands of people have gathered to hear Jesus preach, and he says, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your bodies. They cannot do any more to you than that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and even throw you into hell. Is hell real? Yep. This is a continuation of the Jonah analogy from chapter 11. But if you stop reading there, you miss the point of what Jesus is saying because then he takes a really sharp right turn. 
He turns his warning into encouragement. He says, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. The gospel casts out fear. If you are a child of God, he is with you and he will protect you. If there is anyone you should fear, it should be God, but don't fear him. So don't fear because he loves you unconditionally and he is with you. He says, when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the right time what needs to be said. This is a Holy Spirit prophecy, and it came to pass. If you read Luke's second book, Acts, then you'll read about Christians who received the gift of tongues. And what was the gift of tongues? It was the ability to share the gospel with people who didn't even speak their language. The Holy Spirit will give you the words, he says. The words won't come from your brain. They will come from the Holy Spirit. Okay, before we end, I want to reference one more verse. It's Luke 12, 10. It's a confusing verse that I get a lot of questions about. It's about how we can speak against Jesus, a.k.a. the Son of Man, but we will never be forgiven if we blaspheme the Holy Spirit. When I think about this verse, it's helpful for me to remember the Jonah analogy. So if Jesus is Jonah in this analogy, then he is the messenger. Jonah wasn't telling the people of Nineveh to follow Jonah. He was telling people to follow God. Jesus' primary objective wasn't to get people to follow Jesus in his physical form. Think about Jesus' brother James. James rejected Jesus. But when he realized that Jesus resurrected, it changed everything. Now Jesus isn't just a man to James. Now Jesus is God. And that is what Jesus was trying to point people to. James didn't reject the resurrected Jesus. That changed everything. And he received the Holy Spirit as a result. Faith in God saved James. But if he would have rejected God, the result would have been hell. Okay, we're out of time, but if you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On the Way. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, Jesus compared himself to Jonah and Solomon. Both were prophets whose messages were received by the people. Did Jesus purposefully connect himself to them rather than to a prophet who was ignored? See Luke eleven thirty two. Number two, how strict are you in guarding your eyes from things that will lead to sin? Luke eleven thirty four. Number three, should Christians tithe, or is tithing only an obsolete part of the old covenant law? Luke eleven forty two. Number four. Can you describe a time that the Holy Spirit spoke through you? Luke 12, 11 through 12.